You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Compliance Conversations. My name is CJ Wolf with Healthicity, and today's topic I'm really, really excited about. Uh, our guest is an expert, uh, Dr. Mohamed uh, Lazuni, with uh, the company Aware. They deal a lot with biometrics, and I'll let them, I'll let him describe that a little bit more. But I'm so grateful he's the chief technology officer uh, for this company. Welcome, Dr. Lazuni. Thanks so much, CJ. Delighted to be here. Yes, we're so we're, I'm really looking forward to this to have somebody with such expertise talk about this. But before we jump into our topic about biometrics, is there anything you'd like to share a little bit about your background or maybe what your company does or, or anything in that regard? Sure, happy to do so. I can do so very briefly. Um, I spent all of my career into this particular space of the identity security industry uh, with focus uh, primarily on uh, biometrics and uh, ID uh, documents. Uh, and the primary idea is to really find uh, uh, solutions that will allow for the identity in its digital form, which is becoming central and core to everything we, didn't, we do uh, uh, in things ranging from commerce to healthcare, to transportation, to education, uh, you name it. Uh, the digital identity is really at the core of all of this. And I've been extremely privileged to have spent my life and my career working into this particular space uh, and helping uh, many people, customers, uh, as well as uh, government applications in order to make sure that uh, such uh, solutions are the ambitions of making sure that that works the right way uh, is uh, is done and uh, and follows all of the rules the compliance etc so that has been uh, my, my career uh, up, up to this point that's wonderful thank you for sharing that you know and I know we're going to talk about healthcare but I'll just share with you as you were just talking you know when I went to the airport last I, they didn't even really need much for me I just looked at some screen and they said okay you're good to go uh -huh. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I, I am not a technical expert, but I'm amazed at how um, technology is helping move things along more quickly. And um, and our audience, as far as compliance goes, I'm sure will be very interested in this Absolutely. topic. But maybe to level set us all, because maybe our, a lot of our listeners are like me, we're not real technically savvy as you are. Can you just tell us what biometrics are and, and how they are used in health? Yeah, sure, sure. To uh, love to help with that. So let's begin perhaps with the definition first. When we use uh, the term biometrics, what it really refers to is to the measurement uh, of some statistical analysis of uh, people's unique morphological or uh, physical uh, features that could possibly also include behavioral characteristics. When we put this really in practice, what we really mean is we mean that uh, we uh, capture either a, a portrait or perhaps uh, a voice print, a fingerprint, the imaging of the iris or the retina, 
perhaps uh, the way that people type on their keyboards or touch a touch uh, uh, sensitive screen. And uh, all of these signals uh, are unique to each and every one of us. So some of these are obviously uh, fixed, uh, although they might not be fixed in time. Say, for example, uh, that uh, the, the portrait of a five-year-old as the person uh, ages uh, changes. It changes the face geometry, changes things like that. So we adapt to such uh, characteristics. And so when we take them all into account, um, have a computer uh, capture them, uh, then digitize them, and then we analyze them. That's the part of the capture, the data collection, etc. to have the foundation. Then comes the world of the use of such biometrics. So typically what they are used for, they are used for two domains, either security or convenience. And I'll give an example of the two. Security means that, for instance, if you are trying to access a particular building and you are an employee of that building, if the building uh, owners or, or, or the people who control the perimeter of that particular building decide to use biometrics, and let's say that it is fingerprint or face recognition is the one that uses to unlock the access to that building. So that's a security application, the purpose of which is to ensure that the right people are authorized to come into the building. And those who are not authorized cannot come into the building. That's a typical security application. Now, the flip side of this could be a convenience application. For instance, instead of having to remember a very large number of passwords, if you were to get your computer or your smartphone to unlock using your biometrics, you don't have to remember, renew, reset, and work with your passwords or fear that you might lose one and how to recover it, et cetera. So this is more of a convenience argument. So that's that's how the uh, state of the art of the industry and its adoption has progressed to date into this field that we generally refer to as biometrics. That's very, very helpful. So um, let me throw a little bit of entertainment in. Uh, <laughs> so we've all seen these movies, science fiction, you tell me, how much fiction and how much fact is in this? Uh, you know, we see Mission Impossible with when the actor Tom Cruise pulls off the face mask and he's he's been playing this other part the whole time, right? Uh, yeah. Iris recognition, you know, people cutting out somebody's eye and using the eye to gain access to the secret room. Tell me, I'm just kind of curious. I know this might not have been on our plan, but it, how real is some of that and how fake is all of that? No, that's actually a fantastic question. And and it doesn't have to happen, say, with Mission Impossible or a Tom Cruise movie. It, it actually happens in real life, and it happens every day, as a matter of fact. There is a, uh, uh, in, in this world of, uh, specifically since COVID-19, when a lot of the transactions have gone online, you can only begin to imagine the sort of things that can happen where people right. are no longer, say, walking into a, um, a branch of a bank in order to transact physically with a teller sitting on the other side of, say, a, a secure uh, a piece of glass. Uh, when people go online, then obviously those with uh, rather nefarious uh, intent are going to, to make their best in order to defeat a computer system in, either, in, or, in, 
either to say uh, log in uh, uh, in an unauthorized manner into an account uh, or, or possibly uh, uh, engage into into theft from from the balance uh, of that particular account. So in our industry, we refer to all of this, and now it links back to these sci-fi movies, to something <laughs> that we have, believe it or not, we have a technical term for it. It's called a presentation attack. A presentation uh-huh. attack is when somebody attempts to spoof a computer system by posing to be someone else. So they might uh, put on a mask or they might uh, have a custom-made latex 3D mask. There are companies where you can actually order this online, uh, right. where, where they can they can uh, uh, attempt to impersonate someone else and then fool the computer into believing that they are who they are not, uh, in which case they gain authorized access and, and, um, and attack a face recognition system in order to go through the other, uh, the other side of the transaction. Luckily for us in our industry, we understand this particular problem and we have been working for years in order to ensure that we put countermeasures in place. So much like there are presentation attacks, we have presentation attack detection systems. We have means by which we can tell whether the person on the other side of that transaction is wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, or uh, if they wear glasses, are they still the right person or not? Or if they put makeup, are they still the right person or not? So as they attempt to do this, either physically through mask wearing or digitally by manipulating some video and creating, say, a deep fake, we can tell the difference between one and the other, a live person from a non-live person. And we refer to this entire countermeasure as a liveness detection mechanism that secures the systems and hopefully protects the people who are on the other side of it. That's fascinating. Thank you for entertaining me for a moment. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about how biometrics are used in healthcare. Like I can imagine, like I'm yeah. you know, a physician background. I'm trying to, I'm going from room to room and typing into the chart. And every time I have to log into the computer, I mean, is that an example? What other yeah, things that, like that? That's a fantastic question. I, I could perhaps just give you a few examples and, and they will fall into a number of categories. So one, it could be exactly what you said, an access control or a security uh, requirement whereby a particular terminal, somebody who's uh, updating a record, updating a chart, updating things like this. And obviously, it does, uh, given all of the requirements of the patient data on the other side of the computer that they are accessing, one of the things that could be used in this instance is either fingerprint authentication or face authentication to ensure that if a particular provider comes to that particular computer to either update the record, change something, read uh, something from it, then only that person for only that session is the one who's authorized to do so. You can think about this lot. Logically, logging into a computer, you can also think about that physically walking into a certain room where perhaps a a patient who who is being attended to for work condition or the other into a ward that requires special access. So you can get that access control to to be done via biometrics. Uh, Face recognition is uh, very helpful in that. One might uh, say, for instance, uh, that it might be fairly difficult to uh, 
uh, apply a camera in this particular instance? Uh, could we do it with voice? The answer is yes. You could apply voice recognition also to do this for people who then are coming into places where they don't have gloves on and fingerprint could be sufficient. They can use fingerprint as well. So that's one domain that I will refer to the use case as really an access uh, security use case. The other one could be really uh, applied to uh, fraud prevention. So, so if people are trying to gain access in an unauthorized uh, way for healthcare for fraud purposes, insurance, uh, founders, and things like that, biometrics can be extremely important to combat that fraud and ensure that there is no uh, abuse in the system. So, for example, say that a particular uh, a patient with some some uh, privileges that has access to something and they might want to pass the credentials to someone else who poses to be a patient in order to take care of those benefits to ensure that you are really dispensing the benefits to the right person you could use biometrics in order to make that system uh, control well the third perhaps example i could give would be into the world of say uh, employee verification uh, say for instance that you have a special ward like uh, uh, the neonatal or prenatal care where where nurses have to come in and out for 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 only that particular word and you want to make sure that the contact with those newborns is only through very strictly authorized personnel you could very easily instead of somebody having to punch keys onto a keypad or having to have a special key to open the door or whatnot, a mere camera sitting on the lock could very quickly verify the identity of a person and a person can come in or can come out of that of that particular facility. So these are few examples. As you can imagine, one can go wild with the number of ideas that one can apply to this domain, but these are places where it could apply very, very successfully. Those are all wonderful examples. Um, Thank you for sharing those. We're going to take a quick break because I want to. We want to talk some more about some specific things that a lot of us as compliance officers are dealing with. And I know Dr. Lazuni has some really good uh, insights there. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The OIG released their 90-plus page general compliance program guidance in November of 2023. And if a 90-page compliance document isn't on your reading list, we've got you covered. Stay in the know on this new guidance and ongoing OIG updates that will be released throughout 2024 and beyond. We created a special section of our resource center dedicated to all these updates, which you can find at www.healthicity.com resources. You'll find webinars, e-briefs, and so much more. We've done the homework. We'll give you the cliff notes. Welcome back, everybody, from the break. I'm uh, here talking with Dr. Lazuni about biometrics. He's sharing a lot of great ideas about how they can be used in healthcare. And, and Dr., um, you know, as a compliance officer, I deal a lot with HIPAA. Um, and so I'm curious if, if biometrics and also other compliance issues, but I'm curious about your thoughts on how biometrics can be used to support compliance. A lot of our listeners are compliance officers in healthcare. Um, any thoughts on that? Absolutely. So let's take some specific examples of the problem statements and, and let's think about compliance in its uh, various uh, containers, if you wish, under different rubrics. Let's think about the idea of uh, uh, auditing and the idea of access, uh, perhaps the idea of storage, and then the idea of the ways in which the information can be shared or disseminated. And for each one of these uh, cases, for compliance purposes, I'll, I'll take a few examples of where biometrics can uh, apply uh, very well. 
So let's think yeah. first and foremost about the idea of uh, user authentication. Obviously, HIPAA mandates very strict access controls to protect patient information. And those access controls, specifically when they are exchanged via, via computers, require all kinds of ways in which we should ensure that the identity of the person accessing for the purposes of using that particular information is the person who's authorized to do so uh, through the fact that they are uh, an employee, an insurance company, a provider, or whatever the case might be. Here, right. biometrics plays a significant role and could actually be a very good panacea for this particular solution because it will work very well from a security and convenience perspective, but it will also be extremely potent in preventing unauthorized access to reduce the risk of data losses and data breaches and things of that nature. So that's one example. Okay. The second example would be into the domain of, say, secure access to electronic health records, uh, obviously with the EHR systems today um, requiring very stringent security uh, when uh, clinicians, uh, uh, staff uh, access uh, patient patient records, it'd be very, very important to ensure that this way in which that access is controlled is done via biometrics. So that, that would be the element of access to the uh, HIPAA uh, governed records that one should access to. Let's think now about the other side of compliance, equally important, which is the audit trails and accountability. So given that HIPAA requires organization to maintain audit trails to obviously track who accessed patient records and whatnot. So you can imagine that uh, if all you had is merely uh, a log or, or, or a table, claims and counterclaims can be made as to the entry of that table of the identity that did that. But once you have a biometric associated with it, it becomes highly reliable to link the action to a person, to link the entry uh, in the table to a person. And if obviously, if any security incident uh, were to happen, then you would have uh, uh, like, like that irrefutable proof of right. putting the person at the time of the transaction and the right person with evidence of their particular biometric. So that gives you a small flavor of the possibilities of how this applies directly in support of compliance. Yeah, those are all great examples. Maybe, could I ask maybe from a practical standpoint, are, yes, do you find that it works most efficiently from an operational standpoint? Is it the facial recognition is the best or is it fingerprint or, you know, what are you finding like on a practical sense as, you know, a doctor is going from one room to another and logging into terminals? What, what works the best? Yeah, well, you could say that perhaps at this point, the most convenient, uh, the term best obviously has to be a balancing act between security and convenience and right. low friction. Uh, the modality that lends itself best to these applications would be indeed the face because when, when, uh, when uh, providers specifically are supported via omni-channel, so whatever they use as a tool must work on their desktop, must work on their tablet, must work on their smartphone. You find that uh, these, these extraordinary compute power devices that are available to us today with the cameras being high resolution, good quality and whatnot, the transferability of the face modality and its use being as simple as taking a selfie is extraordinarily uh, easy 
and, and doesn't require any learning curve in order to adapt on how this gets done. And so that's the one that takes it. But fingerprint is, is not a distant second. It's equally available. And uh, in the case of desktops, obviously, uh, some, some external device might have to be specifically attached to the desk where the computer is sitting. But, but in many of the smartphones today, the fingerprint read capability comes into the device by itself. Right. Yeah. And, and so like in healthcare, you know, obviously we all went through COVID and we were wearing masks. Um, I was surprised and just my own personal devices can still read my face even when I'm wearing a mask. Um, yeah. Is that kind of what you're, you know to be true? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. That is, in fact, related to that first answer I provided that related to the uh, uh, attempting to spoof a system by wearing masks the purpose of which and the intent of which is to defeat the security system and wearing a mask, the purpose of which is to ensure the protection of the patient. We can tell the difference between the two. Uh, we have mechanisms into the software that are able to detect, if you wish, that particular uh, uh, type of mask or the use of that particular mask and make a determination as to whether this mask is intended for really health prevention services, whereas the other one is intended for other uh, for other purposes. And we can tell the difference between these two things. Yeah. You know, I think you would be like a great consultant if I were like a science fiction writer. You could tell me <laughs> futuristic things that we could... Maybe we can we could create a movie together. But actually, seriously, what are some futuristic ways that biometrics might be used to support compliance that, you know, are theoretically out there or maybe they're in kind of beta testing, but they're maybe not there quite yet? No, there we're really in luck. Uh, there's a lot going on and it's all uh, incredibly exciting. So I'll, I'll start probably with the ones that are not too far fetched. And then okay. we will distance it further and further and further. So let's think about the first case, which is to make really the access to, say, medicine and controlled drugs uh, easily, uh, if you wish, providing the security and the convenience that I just talked about a minute ago. So you can right. think about uh, medication uh, dispensing. You can think about uh, biometric protected, uh, protected uh, medicine cabinets, even in homes that could have something, so, so say a, a child or, or perhaps only the, 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 the patient, the parent patient in, in the home is the only one that can authorize this. This can be done today extremely conveniently with a fingerprint or a camera attached to those cabinets very inexpensively, yes. very trivially, and it can be that. So you can have, I call them the smart dispensing uh, cabinets. So you can get into that world uh, very, very quickly. Yeah, and that would, sorry to interrupt, that would also, you know, be like a protecting, you know, so like children don't get into medications. Very, very much so. Uh, and you can see it in many industries today where really this sort of thing is, uh, is starting to happen. You have cars now uh, that when you arrive to them, it's really your fingerprint that unlocks the car. Uh, right. You have cars that in order to get them started, you have to speak your voice pass in order to get them started. So that sort of thing that is futuristic can be brought in very fast into application with this particular domain. Another okay. thing that I'm very, very excited about is, uh, is obviously the ubiquitous and incredibly successful fast adoption of telemedicine. 
Uh, if you were to make, uh, obviously, on the other side of the phone from a provider, they are not going to really become an identity vetting provider if they are a healthcare provider. Uh, somebody called, somebody is on the other line of the session, they are asking for something, consultation, help, whatever the case might be, the provider just dispenses it. Now, the idea of having biometric-enabled uh, telemedicine can take us into all kinds of things where that that relationship could be a lot more intimate on how you can get into things and feel very safe on both sides of that uh, computer intermediated transaction that you are talking to the right person and you are talking to the right provider. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about seeing this develop uh, over time. The one that if you were to ask me to pick one, which, which would be my favorite, I think it's the development in the world of these uh, uh, wearables that are coming in. Yes. You end up with uh, all of these uh, extremely smart devices that can be packed and condensed into very small form factors, or when, whether they can be put on a wristband, or they can be put on a ring around the finger, or they can be put much like an earring, or, or in whichever capacity they can be put on, on the body in, in some way. So you can imagine that these, these wearables now are, are basically computer with computers with, with healthcare data. And, and one has to be very careful about this healthcare data that is uh, distributed on the device, on many other things and whatnot. And the idea of applying biometrics to, to do that would be, would be great. And if I were to end up with the one, and that would be my final, uh, my final thought on, on this, would be around the area that has to do with everything that is emerging around the AI algorithms uh, and the deep learning discussions and the application of those in real time. So you, you can start really applying very smart uh, biometric enabled at point of service in case of emergency responses or in case of things where an, an AI algorithm can, can work in real time in order to make some important decisions. And, and through the biometric, verify that those decisions are really for the right person, significantly minimize the risk, and incredibly uh, improve the odds of a fast intervention in order to do the best by our patients. So these are some of the things that I track, read about, and get interested in. And, and quite frankly, they are also very exciting. So it's an absolute thrill to kind of follow them, read about them, and see where they are going. I, I think it's fascinating too, and I'm not even you know in the in this uh, expertise area as you. I just I find it fascinating how this technology can can really have some great uh, uses in healthcare. Um, we're, we're getting kind of towards the end of our time, but I, I do want to know. So you're the company Aware. Maybe tell us a little bit about them. Do they do work in biometrics in all industries, primarily in healthcare, new to healthcare? I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, happy to help. Uh, uh, so we, we are generalists. So we have what is called a portfolio of a biometric identity platform that we use for government and commercial application. And it just applies to just about everything. So the way that we typically refer to our use is we refer to it as uses that have to do with support of compliance, combating okay. fraud, helping with identity management. And wherever these applications uh, uh, 
are needed, whether they are needed in uh, online uh, education or whether they are needed in healthcare or whether they are needed in transportation, government applications or, or what have you, we are able to take that platform and adapt it to the use cases that are pertinent to these various industries. And precisely because of the fact that we know that there are such a variety of ways in which this gets implemented, we build into this platform extraordinary richness and adaptability so they can be easily ingested within the domains that are specific to one industry versus the other. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, fascinating. Any last minute thoughts before before we end here? It's been your expertise is such a, so appreciated. I love the way that you break things down and you organize things, even just in your responses. It helps me see clearly kind of these different categories. Uh, so I uh, entertain any last minute thoughts or comments that you might have before we wrap up here. My pleasure. It's very kind of you to say that. Just in case your audience might be interested uh, in, in finding out a little bit more about this, our uh, website is a very good resource for this, which is www.where.com. And obviously, I'm on, on LinkedIn. I, I invite everyone who might want to wish to reach out and, and, and have a deeper conversation. Uh, I'll be more than happy. And it will be an absolute pleasure to, to entertain questions, uh, further clarifications. Um, and just wish everyone um, just a wonderful time. And thanks so much for having me on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, Dr. Zuni, for your, your expertise and, and experience and your willingness to share. And we'll include... Uh, some of those links that Dr. Wazuni just mentioned uh, in the show notes so that you can reach out um, both uh, to the company and, and to him on LinkedIn. Um, and just thank you to all of those who listen to this uh, podcast on a regular basis. We appreciate your uh, participation. Please share with your colleagues. And um, I always try to make this plug. If you know of other speakers or topics that you'd like to hear, you know, speakers you'd like to hear from or other topics you'd like to hear about, please don't be shy in, in sharing that with us. Um, and uh, I'll echo what Dr. Lazuni said. Thank you and uh, take care, everybody. Uh, until next time, be safe. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.